Uh, so good to see you all this morning. Thank you for choosing to share your Sunday with us uh, today on Resurrection Sunday. Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday is such an important day in the life of every person who calls himself a Christian uh, or a believer. This is because Resurrection Sunday is uh, an opportunity for us to reflect on the fact, not fiction, the fact that Jesus uh, took on himself the penalty of the world's disobedience. He was nailed to the cross. Uh, His body was placed in the tomb, but on the third day, he rose again. Resurrection Sunday is actually an important day. You may be wondering, why is it so important? What difference does Resurrection Sunday make? Why does it even matter? You see, the word resurrection stems from the word resurrect, which means to bring back to life or to restore to life. Resurrection lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It is the substance of our faith. Without resurrection, we've got no hope. Take the resurrection away from the Christian faith and we start to move our eyes away from the gospel. Resurrection is a beautiful mystery of the power of God. So much so that a group of men who were looking over, uh, you know, keeping watch over a tomb, uh, all night long, they woke up in the morning to find that the tomb was empty. Their minds couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't understand it. Uh, but they brought this report to their leaders and their supervisors. And even then, they couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't understand what was happening. But they paid these soldiers and bribed them into telling everybody else that the body that was in that tomb had been taken by another group of people. That is like the OG resurrection uh, conspiracy. But you see, men have never had an issue with death. All throughout history, Men have never questioned the notion of death. You hear about death on the news. You see it on the TV. You read about it in the newspaper. Uh, Death happens to all of us eventually. You tell someone that Jesus died and they will say to you, yes, I believe you wholeheartedly. Yes, he died. But the moment that they, they get a whiff of this resurrection business, they start to zone out as if to say that, you know, this, this isn't true. It can't be because the notion of coming back to life is almost unheard of. You see, even after decades and centuries and generations have been and gone, the world has always had an issue with resurrection. They have always had an issue with Jesus' empty tomb. They have always had an issue with Resurrection Sunday. And it's because the world doesn't really know about the mystery that is resurrection We see a funeral hearse and we see cars following it and we say, yes, I know exactly what that's about. But the moment that you say resurrection or coming to life, it's like, what is that? We don't necessarily have a point of reference or a a category for it. But the question then is this, why do we celebrate Resurrection Sunday? What difference does it make? Why does it even matter? Let me reframe that question for us this morning. Why does it matter that Jesus came back to life? What difference does it make? Why Why do we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose again. Let me rephrase that question again. What if there wasn't a resurrection? What difference would that make? What would this world look like? What if Jesus never rose from the dead? And you see, as blasphemous and shocking as that question may come across to you this morning, a similar question was asked 2,000 years ago. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 19, it says this. This is Paul talking to a, a church in Corinthians. He says, but tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. 
But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone else in the world. You see, Paul is writing this passage to a young Christian community who belonged to a very colorful society that was brimming with all kinds of different views uh, and, and ideas. It was a community that was surrounded by so many different Greek philosophies, uh, philosophies and ideas. Corinthians were a church that existed in a society that was deeply steeped in Greek philosophy. The problem with that was that they then began to question and debate And many came to the conclusion that there is no resurrection after death. Their thinking was influenced by their culture and their surroundings. And so they were willing to throw away their faith in Jesus Christ because they couldn't grasp it mentally, because they couldn't comprehend it, because they couldn't understand the divine mystery of the resurrection of Jesus. They were willing to throw away their faith. So what? Who cares whether there is a resurrection or not? Who cares if Jesus rose from the dead? What difference does it make? Why does it matter? And so Paul is responding to them. And here's what he says. Let me tell you what it means for Jesus to not have risen from the dead. Let me tell you what it means for us to not have resurrection. The first thing that Paul says is this. Without resurrection, our preaching would be in vain. Imagine that. Coming to church every Sunday, 52 Sundays in a year, not missing a single Sunday, all for what? All for nothing. Without resurrection, our preaching is useless. Our coming together every week for small groups, our singing together every week, our listening to the Word of God would be pointless. My standing here preaching to you this morning would be a waste of time. In fact, if there was no resurrection, then the people on this front row here were either just straight up, you know, the people here that preach were either just straight up a bunch of liars or they were crazy. If there was no resurrection, it would be like going to uni and studying for so many years, reading so many textbooks, learning so many amazing things, and then having all of it amount to nothing. Without resurrection, our preaching would be in vain. The second thing that Paul says is this, without resurrection, our faith would be in vain. Imagine that, our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross would be in vain without resurrection. The message of the gospel is not complete without the resurrection. John 19.30 says this, Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. Without resurrection, we'd be asking, what's finished? Without resurrection, we wouldn't know that the death of Jesus was enough to forgive our sins. If there was no resurrection, then the story would have ended at the cross full stop. That's it. How would we know that our sins have been forgiven? Without resurrection, we wouldn't have the forgiveness of our sins. And without the forgiveness of our sins, we would be separated from God. Without resurrection, our living would be in vain. That's the third thing that Paul says. In other words, our death is without deliverance. Imagine that. Imagine coming to the realization that death had the final say, that death is where it all ends. How much of a waste of time would that be to realize that our living meant nothing anyway because the grave is where it all ends? How tragic. 
Paul is saying to the people, if there is no resurrection, then we've got no message to preach. If there's no resurrection, then we're still dead in our sins. If there's no resurrection, then we might as well tell the missionaries to come back home. If there's no resurrection, we might as well close the church down and sell the land. If there's no resurrection, then every single Christian has been wrong all these years. Paul is saying things plainly to the church in Corinth because this is a serious matter. He's not playing games and I don't wanna play games either. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to the end of my life and then realize that everything that I had lived for, everything that I preached about, everything that I told all of you about wasn't true. You see, Paul uses the word if a total of six times. And in this particular scripture, he uses it to paint the picture of what it means for us to not have the resurrection. But then in complete contrast, Paul says, but now, everybody say, but now. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says this, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's not a matter of if or when. The fact is this, Jesus has been raised from the dead. That is the hope that we have. And the difference between worldly hope and biblical hope is this. Worldly hope says, I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope that it will be sunny today. I hope that Don doesn't preach a long message today. And all of those things may or may not happen. We're wishing that it doesn't happen, but this is what biblical hope says. If God said it, then it's going to happen. In other words, I'm not just hoping that resurrection is a for real thing. I'm saying that I have absolute confidence and trust that because God said it, it will come to pass. Therefore, because Jesus died and was raised from the dead, every person who has placed their faith and trust And Jesus will share not just in his death, but also in his glorious resurrection. And it ain't the way that Lazarus was brought back to life. It ain't the same way that that little Zarephath kid was brought back to life. Because although they were brought back to life, they experienced new life and eventually died again. But when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, it means that his resurrected body can no longer experience death. Romans 6 verse 8 to 9 says this, And since we died with Christ, We know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. The church in Corinth were starting to struggle with the fact that Jesus was being resurrected. And so here's what Paul says. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. It all came down to what they knew. It all came down to what they knew about God. It all came down to their perception of God. And if their knowing was now being influenced and affected by the surrounding, then of course the resurrection isn't going to be a big deal anymore. But this is exactly why Paul said in Philippians, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one day, one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul isn't talking about knowing the historical life of Jesus. He's not talking about knowing Jesus in the, same, in the sense of performance or acquiring knowledge in order to be in good terms with him. No, Paul is talking about knowing Jesus through personal experience. It involves a relationship between the person knowing and the person known. It is the kind of no that desires to be in relationship with Jesus. And so Paul is saying to Corinth, you have a problem with your knowing. 
The reason you're getting so caught up in not believing in the resurrection is because you have a problem with what you know. Because to live your life without Jesus, without knowing Jesus, without being in a relationship with Jesus, would be to live your life without resurrection. And Paul says, without resurrection, our preaching would be in vain. Our faith would be in vain. Our living would be in vain. In other words, a life without Jesus is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. But man, I'm so glad that it didn't stop right there. Because as Paul says, but now, some, so much hangs on those two words right there. But now Jesus lives. But now Jesus conquered the grave. But now Jesus defeated death. But now Jesus rose again. The first thing you need to know this morning is Jesus lives. On the day of resurrection, the, the, the disciples were gathered together. And one of the disciples who wasn't there was Thomas. But while they were together, Jesus appeared to him and Jesus blessed them and showed them, you know, he he appeared to them and showed them his nail pierced hands, his side that was pierced. And so when, you know, the disciples begin to tell this guy named Thomas, they say, hey, Thomas, we have seen Jesus. He died, he was put into a tomb, but on the third day he rose again. We have seen him. And here's what Thomas says, unless I see his nail pierced hands, Actually, unless I touch his nail-pierced hands, unless I take my hand and place it on his side that was pierced, I don't believe it at all. Eight days later, the disciples gather again, and Jesus is there, but this time he focuses on Thomas and says to Thomas, Thomas, bring me your hand. Place your finger on the nail-pierced, on my nail-pierced hands. Actually, bring me your hand and place it on my side that was pierced. And Jesus goes on to say, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe me without seeing. You see, just like Thomas, society can often pressure us into believing that unless that is scientifically proven and there's physical evidence that Jesus is alive, it ain't true. But I came to remind you this morning that he is very much alive. Romans 8.34 says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is, uh, he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Jesus is alive. How do we know? There is an empty grave there to prove that our Savior is alive. Go to any grave in this world and you would find remains there. But go to the tomb of Jesus and you will find there is no body laying there. I can hear the proclamation that was made at the tomb. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive. He is not here. He is risen. You need to know this morning that Jesus lives. And since he is alive, to every person who places their faith and trust in him, it means that you are alive in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, "For For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. When the first man, Adam, disobeyed God, he brought death upon the entire human race. It doesn't matter if you're Samoan, Balangi, Maori, South African. Adam's sin, which is punishable by death, brought death upon all of us. You see, this is why the resurrection matters. Because if through Adam's death, uh, Adam's sin, death came to all of us, it is through Jesus Christ that we are being made alive. Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice to not only just take away sin, but to bring life and resurrection to everyone who believes in him. That's good news for you and me because it means that we don't just share in his death, we share also in his resurrection. When you know that Jesus lives, when you receive Jesus into your heart, when your knowing then starts to inform your being, your, uh, and so because Jesus died and rose from the dead, it means that you and I who were dead 
and in our sin and separated from God are not only forgiven, but we're also made alive through Jesus Christ. When you know that Jesus lives, when you are made alive in him, here's what happens. Number three, Paul says, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. I'm no longer living life like I used to live. I'm not living in accordance to who I was, dead in sin, trying to be in control of my life, trying to do things my way because the life that, uh, that life is a life that is without Jesus. And a life without Jesus is a life without resurrection. And as Paul says, that kind of life is a life that is pointless and it only leads to death. I'm living in accordance to who I am. I am a new creation. I have Jesus in me. And so Paul puts it so beautifully. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. If I can ask Daniel to join me on the keys this morning. This morning, I'm speaking to two groups of people. Believers, people who have placed their faith in Jesus and non-believers, people who are yet to place their faith in Jesus. If you are a believer in this place, my prayer for you is that you would not, uh, that you would be confident in the fact that death is not the end. Because we are awaiting a day where Jesus will return. We shall all be changed. The Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet sound, we shall be changed. A day where this corruptible must put on incorruption. A day where this mortal must put on immortality. We shall be changed. But as we await that day where we see our Savior face to face, where our bodies will be changed, here's what Paul encourages us to do. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you are a believer, I want to encourage you with the words of Paul this morning. Be immovable. It means to not be easily swayed by the things of this world. Be steadfast. It means that because Jesus has conquered death, this truth is seated in my mind and in my heart, so much so that I would never turn away from Jesus. And thirdly, he says, finally, always abound in the work of the Lord. It means that we're not just going to sit around and do nothing and wait for Jesus to come back. No, we look forward with anticipation to see the day when Jesus returns. But since we do not know the hour or the day, we're going to continue to serve our community in the name of Jesus. We're going to continue winning people for Jesus. We're going to continue proclaiming the gospel. We're going to continue keeping the faith. We're going to continue gathering together. We're going to continue pursuing holiness and righteousness. Why? Because we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you're not a believer in this place, you have not yet accepted Jesus into your heart, I would like to give you an opportunity to do that right now, right here, with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Let me ask you this morning, if you were to jump through the door of death today, where would you spend eternity? 
You see, the truth is God loves you and He created you. He created you to know Him. He created you to enjoy a relationship with Him forever. But the Bible talks about a barrier that keeps us disconnected from God. You see, that barrier, that disconnect is caused by sin. Sin is doing things our way and walking in disobedience to God. It is that sin that separates us from God. It is that sin that disconnects us from God. But also the penalty of that sin is death. But you see, God in His grace sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross so that you can be connected to God. When Jesus died on the cross, He took on Himself what you and I were due for our sins. He extends to every one of us today grace, forgiveness for your past, a new life right now, and a hope for your future and eternal life with Him in heaven. But you see, we must turn away from sin, turn away from disobedience, turn away from doing things our way, and turn to Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Because the Bible says that whosoever believes in Him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. If that's you today and you're saying, I wanna be connected to God, I want to come into relationship with God, I want to stop doing things my way and live for God. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to raise your hand and you can put your hand down straight away. And look, you don't have to be shy or afraid. This room is full of sinners who have been saved by grace. I too was disconnected. But we're right here and we're for you and we've got you as well, but I'm gonna count to three and I want you to raise your hand. One, God loves you. Two, he's speaking to your heart right now. Three, raise your hand. Thank you, I see that 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 hand. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And I want you to know that this prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But this prayer is an expression of your faith in Jesus. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you. I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.